it's time for It Really Has Been. Now here's Darren and Dave. Alright, welcome everybody. Dave, can you believe this is our fourth episode already? That's fast, brother. What I happened? know, man. We're knocking them out. You know, we got a lot of stuff to talk about, I guess. We do. We really you know, do. This episode, we're going to talk about the close calls that we've had on our travels. There's been a lot of them. Last episode, we talked about Lonnie Sweet, our driver, how he saved our lives many, many times. He did. And there was one time that I was sitting right up front that it happened. We happened to be going across a bridge in West Memphis. The river, the huge river, I guess it's Mississippi or Tennessee. I don't know. Who knows? But uh, there was road construction, big concrete barriers on either side. There wasn't two inches between each side. You can reach out and touch the walls. We're coming across the middle of the night. Everybody's asleep, just me and him up. And there's a car coming the other way, and it's two lane, and he's got his brights on. I'm, I'm like, I can't see nothing. I looked at Lonnie and I said, can you see anything? And he didn't say a word, so I knew. This is close. He was, he was concentrated. Oh, yeah. He hit that thing just perfect. Any, either way, six inches either way, we'd have been in the river. And that's one time I know of. He would drive a bus like you would drive a Renault in, in England. Oh, I know. He you was know? great. So we've had many close calls. Uh, it's kind of a coincidence. You know, we, we had a tour called the Spontaneous Combustion Tour. And uh, we ended up uh, renaming it the Spontaneous Destruction Tour because <laughs> – all these things happened, I don't know, in probably, what, a two-year period, you know, these yeah. close calls? 18 months or something, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Where do you want to start, Dave? Well, let's see. The first thing I remember, I think it uh, we had some floods in Conyers, Georgia. Yeah. And uh, I can't remember. I don't think we ever canceled in any of this, did we? No, I don't think so. We just kept on trucking. So we had some floods in Conyers, Georgia, and then not too long after that, we was on stage and there was an earthquake. And if I'm not mistaken, would it have been about the time that the that it was the baseball earthquake, like during the baseball game, the World Series? It could have been. It was. I know it was in Tacoma, Washington. Right. And right. Uh, we had the stage that uh, the part of the stage, Tim would get up in the rafters. They'd put him in this thing and he would chain, the chain would lower down and he would lower down right at the beginning. And I know the thing was swinging back and forth like three, four feet. And he was holding on to the chains going, you know. <laughs> like, what's going on? Yeah. We didn't even know it because uh, the speakers were rumbling so loud that couldn't really hear anything. And they explained that after. When you walk off, you're like, what the hell was that? You know? And yeah. So there's an earthquake we missed. Earthquake. And then in Pocatello, Idaho, we was vamping the end of the, of the night. It was the last... You're holding out the big ending. We hit the big power ending, and the lights, everything in the arena dropped down to total darkness. Uh, from what I understood, they uh, it kicked off in the parking lot, so it was dark everywhere. Just a couple of seconds later, you saw all of the floodlights that come on like safety lights. Oh, yeah. That was a, the weirdest ending to any Tim McGraw show I had ever witnessed. You know, the weirdest beginning, we were in Sturgis at the bike rally. Right. At the Buffalo Chip Campgrounds. Man, those those people were wild. Now They were wild, wild. <laughs> they were living up to the name. They could only get, what, half electricity, I think. Yeah, it wasn't enough to do a show. It was like enough to run the monitors. You know, that was it. Yeah, we couldn't play, and people got really angry that we couldn't start throwing bottles and rocks and everything at the stage. And we huddled off into the bus, 
you could hear the stuff pelting the bus. Bottles was breaking on Billy's uh, drum set. I saw him smashing on the drum set. The crew would have to run in between bottles and rocks to try to get the gear <laughs> off, and we thought we were going to die. I mean, we were actually trying to get out of there as quick as we could and take the back way out. We were afraid they were going to tip the bus over or something. It was crazy. I went and found my only, one and only, I had a, a, a Harley shirt. And I, I put it on. I'm like, if you know, if, if the things go wrong here, I'm not going to slide into the crowd. <laughs> Save yourself. Yeah, there's weird things that happened at that Sturgis thing. I mean, that that happened, and then we played it again when it got really huge. There was like thousands of people there. There was. And remember, Tim bet Billy, I'll give you this if you put these on and wear them, and there's those chaps with his butt hanging out. Right. And there, wasn't there an elephant hanging out the front of it? Yeah. Yeah. It was an elephant thing. And then he, Tim introduced him and he runs out front. And just as he was running back, Tim smacked him on the butt. I mean, right. really hard. It was funny. And somehow, a few years ago, five years ago or whatever, it comes out in a magazine. And it's got a picture of Tim smacking Billy on the ass. So I know. I mean, you, you can't even have fun. You know, it's, it's funny uh, that. That Inquirer stuff came out. I didn't even really know it. My mom, when she was alive, bless her soul, she called me up and said, hey, you know you're in the Inquirer? And I'm like, what? <laughs> they used the same old picture of us at the Walk of Fame in Hollywood. You know where I was? Um, I was in line at Publix with my son, Logan, and he smacks me on the arm. I'm just like putting groceries on the thing. And he smacks me on the arm. He said, hey dad, hey, dad, look. And I was like, oh my goodness, grab it, Logan. So we bought it and we went out to the car and uh, we ran it together. It was hilarious. He's like 10 years old with it, something like I that. I don't know where they get some of the stuff I, that they wrote in like there. Like 10% but... truth and, you know, yeah. kind, of like, kind of like the devil. We got enough truth. To, to I still you. wonder who the source of a source was, you know, I'm, yeah. We'll never know. We'll never know. And probably don't want to know. I don't want to know. All right. You know what else? We went through that tornado in Knoxville, Tennessee. Now that. Yeah, we had just got done playing, got on the bus, and it hit. The tornado hit. It knocked down our set. I mean, it twisted it up. And right on top of the truck and the stage. All right beside where we was at. We was right there. All our merchandise got strode all over the park there. And... We were in the bus when it hit, and the bus was rocking, man. You know what I remember? Here's what I remember, Darren. You had, I, re, I don't know why, you still had your your uh, stage gear on. You had your hat on and everything. We're sitting in the back. I think we was in party mode because I don't know why, but I just remember a bunch of us was back, you know, all sitting crammed into the back seats, and it's and the bus is rocking, and you know something's going on, and, and uh, hail started hitting the bus, and you got you got quiet. You was like, you was kind of looking around. I'm like, what is it, dude? And I'm, I'm from the mountains. I don't know these things, you know. I know flash flood warnings, but I don't know this. But you said, man, I know what comes after hail. I'm from Kansas. I know about tornadoes. And boy, as soon as that happened, it just unleashed the beast on us. It was crazy. We lived through it, though. We did. Dropped the roof down. The uh, sound towers bent and fell to the ground. It was crazy. Speaking of storms, you know, we were in, you said Edmonton, I believe it was? Edmonton, Yes. And we were going to uh, play uh, one of those big outdoor festivals there. 2009. Yeah, we were getting ready to leave to go to the show, I remember. And I got a call. said, we're not going nowhere right now. But a microburst, it hit the stage. And what, what, did it kill somebody or something? Yeah, one person died. 15 was injured. 65 mile an hour wind gust. 
And I think Bill, Billy Currington was playing, and uh, they had called the show in the middle of it, and they was clearing the stage and clearing the people from the front. They're trying to get it away, you know, from – and it fell. It fell before they could get get anybody out of the way. So Didn't that happen that same year somewhere in Iowa or Illinois? That was or a, a Sugar Land thing happened. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. It happened right around the same time. Hey man, I've stood up under some of those things with the with the lights rocking above you. It's not a pleasant feeling to be under there and and uh, be windy at one of those state fairs. And you don't know who the heck rose that roof. You know, you don't really know what's going on there. You know what's coincidence about that is the stage company is called Stage Pro that, that had those stages, both of them. Right. They have many stages that go around the country. Right. Their company is from my hometown in Lawrence, Kansas. And I knew that before I ever moved to Nashville, when I was a kid, we had a band that was a rock and roll band, and we used to practice at Stage Pro's warehouse. Right. So I knew the guy that owned the company and all that, and I, I had seen him at a couple of our festivals. You know, his, it was his stages that fell. You know. Was it really? Yeah. Yeah. Where, where else did we almost die, brother? <laughs> How about the Olympics? Oh yeah, the Atlanta Olympics. Four day difference, but you know. Uh, we played on a Monday, I believe, and the Jack Mack and the Heart Attack plays on Thursday, and that's the night of the Olympic bombing in Centennial Park. Yeah, and where the bomb went off, our house engineer, John Ward, was right around that same, it, it like blew up that building, that little building where you put the soundboard. Right. So he, would, he wouldn't have fared too well. Right. So we missed that one. And, and uh, there's a couple more, uh, I don't know if, you weren't with us on this one, but we were flying to do an acoustic gig from Seattle, Washington to Yakima, Washington, which is at night in a little prop plane across the mountains. It was the weather was good, but you don't want to fly at night across the mountains in a prop plane. Right, right. So a bunch of us decided, you know, we need to get hammered. <laughs> and so we went to the bar there at the airport and uh, proceeded to drink. And we did, and we did. Drink heavily. Oh, heavily. And so we got on the plane. It was a bumpy ride, but we didn't care. By that time, we were so hammered, we didn't care. So we finally get to Yakima, and we got there, you know, all right. We pulled up on the tarmac because it was a small airport, and there's not a lot, there's not a concourse or anything like that. We get off the runway there, and uh, the pilot was walking beside us, and I looked over at him, and I said, you know, hey, thanks for getting us here safe. And he stopped me, and he looked at me real serious, and he says, buddy, you don't know how close it was. And I'm like, I don't know if this guy's kidding or what. <laughs> but when we unloaded our gear from the back, uh, Jeff's keyboard case was all charred and burnt. There was a fire in the back, and we didn't even know it. So that was a close, close call. That's a little scary. That was scary. I remember a, an airplane ride where I would say somewhere out of, over – the coast of California, you know how you'll go out over the water and come back and land, maybe LAX, somewhere on the coast there. Yeah, uh-huh. But it was extremely bumpy this day, small plane. I think three quarters of it was us. You know, it was most of the whole tour traveling together. And we always had this thing to where when it got bumpy, even no matter where you was, with you was with other people or not, you just kind of threw your hands up in the air like a roller coaster. Right, right. I, I, at this flight was extremely bumpy and I was not paying much attention and I started going thinking this is bumpy I'm 
I look up and most of the plane got their hands up in the air, you know, <laughs> they're all riding this out. And, and I start seeing other people who's not even with us start joining them, you know, and people's <laughs> all riding it. They're just having a great time riding this airplane in, into LAX. You know, we should have a, include this into one of our next, you know, one, one of our future episodes, that plane stuff that's happened, things on the plane. Like one little thing, like remember Glenn Boster, he was, uh, I don't know what he, he did something. He was a guitar tech or oh, that. <laughs> I don't know what he did for sure, but he was, I mean, he's a good guy. I love him to death. But he's a great guy. He provided a lot of entertainment. He provided lots of entertainment. Oh, he's hilarious, man. He was kidding around on a plane and took the pillowcase off one of the pillows and stuck it over his head like he was a hijacker. He put two eyeball holes in it, man, and stood up. And stood up and held his finger like, you know, and he looked around and then he sat back down. And that was before 911. And I remember I was walking off the plane and, and they was asking us, did you notice, did you see who did that? And we was like, no, ma'am, I have no idea. No, yeah. I thought he was going to get hauled off. To federal, uh, some federal offense right there, man. It was I tell you what, if it had happened after 9-11, he wouldn't have Oh, my goodness. I can't imagine now. Speaking of 9-11, we were supposed to fly out the day after the 12th to do The View mm -hmm. in New York City. And I remember that morning of 9-11, I was, wasn't even watching TV. Somebody called me. I think the tour manager called me and said, are you watching TV? And I said, no. And he says, we won't be flying out tomorrow. Who was that? I'm not sure. Was it Robert, maybe? It could have been Robert Allen. Could have been. Yeah. So I turn on the TV, and I see the Trade Center burning. And right as I turned it on is when the second plane hit. Yeah. And we were supposed to stay, I believe it was the Rockefeller Hotel. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Just a few, it was a few blocks away, yeah. Yeah, it was like two blocks away from 9-11. So. Right. And you know what's funny about that is Denny, our steel player, was in Boston at Logan Airport getting on a plane that day. And I think his flight was a little later. Right. So, you know, he missed out. That was his close call. Right. That's Him and his wife were there on vacation. I remember that. Didn't he drive? Like he rented a car that day and just drove all the way from Boston. Yeah, he had to rent a car because, you know, all the planes were grounded. Right. So he couldn't go nowhere. And so, yeah, we didn't definitely go nowhere after that. Uh, I think right. we rescheduled the view and did it another time. Right. What else we got? Well, there was a Katrina, Hurricane oh, Katrina. My right. Yep. We were in Fort Lauderdale at the Hard Rock Resort. Seminole Hard Rock was at that at the one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. And then, you know, at the same time, we did. Uh, I don't remember if it was the time. I don't know how many times we played there, but was it the time we met Joe Walsh? He was playing down there. That was in Vegas. This was the time that we saw Journey. Journey. That's what it was. Yeah, yes. we went. They invited us out. They were playing the night before, right? Right, right. And we kept their day early and, and went and saw them. So we're up on the 10th floor, and we're not even thinking about the hurricane or anything. We noticed it's storming out and all that. Well, it was Florida side of it, so it wasn't big yet. It was just starting to grow. It hadn't hit the, it hadn't hit the Gulf. Just started, yeah. We were up there, and we were playing cards. We were playing poker. There was a bunch of us up in my room playing poker because I had a table for some reason. That was unusual. It was a big table, too. Every now and then, I'd get a sweep. I don't know why, you know. Right. Dave Brown was our tour manager. He used to hook me up, man. He, he'd get a sweep, give me sweets or in Vegas and stuff like that. You know, he, He'd always right. hook me up. 
we'd always fly first class and right. you know just cool things like that and you know what else he did What's he that? always got us the the good passes for American Airlines, the gold passes. He did. He always tried to make sure you had a good spot. Always did. He always took care of us like that. He was a good guy. We we'll have to get him on later on. Yeah, definitely. But we were in there in the playing poker. I remember getting up and hearing the wind blowing outside, and you could look out the window and see debris flying by my window on the tenth floor. <laughs> we just pulled the curtains open. Remember? Yeah, and we just and watched it. And, Play cards. I think I lost my butt too. Transformers were popping around the, the city. I and, know. Yeah. We just went through it and made it through it unscathed. They told us not to worry. They had uh they had transformers or you know they they could keep the lights on for us for everybody. In the spontaneous combustion tour, Tim and Faith hooked up. And you know, it's that was a close call too, because if they wouldn't have hooked up, we wouldn't have had that career boost that took us over into the love world every once in a while, you know, because as Tim McGraw and the dance hall doctors, we could take off and, and be the boys, you know, and go out and do our honky-tonk and have a good time. But then in 2000, we did the Soul to Soul tour, and we had to do love songs, or the Soul to Soul, the first Soul to Soul. And then yeah. 2006, we do Soul to Soul 2, and we do love songs again. So in between, you know, we're being the boys. That's true. That is a close call. It is a close call. So it was a great boost. Those tours were huge. The only downfall was when, you know, all the love songs would wear on, you know, they kind of wear on you. And I can remember we would be looking at each other after a while and you took over and go, I hate love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. You know, I got a quick faith story. Ben's we're talking about faith. This okay. is a quick one. She hadn't played for a while and she was going to do, I think, a TV special or a TV appearance or something. And she asked me to come to New York at the Waldorf Astoria where her and Tim were. And she wanted me to fly up there and bring an acoustic guitar and go over her songs with her because she hadn't done them in a while. Right. So I was like, sure, you know, I'll, I'll do that. I mean, you know, no big deal. So I get on a plane. Well, I get my tickets. I got a first class seat. Nice. All American to Nilgoria. Get up there. <laughs> Bernie Boyle, her tour manager at the time, picks me up. And I think Robert Allen was there. And we go to the Waldorf and I go into they feed me breakfast, which I had some $25 oatmeal. <laughs> and then I went up to my room and after a while they called me down to do the thing with Faith. I went down to Tim and Faith Suite. Nice suite of the Waldorf. I'm sure. So we went in there and, and she sang and I played her stuff because we I'd been used to her stuff because we had done shows with her and Tim before, you know, where right. we had to pick her up too. And so we did our thing. I go back up to my room and one of them, one of the tour managers called and says, uh, well, um, do you want to fly back in the morning or what? And I said, well, can I fly back now? And he was like, sure. So they booked me a first class ticket back to Nashville, same day. Nice. I get on the plane, and I'm like hog heaven, first class, you know. Right. I was in there right in the middle of all these WWE wrestlers. I mean, there was Triple H. There was a Goldberg. There were all these big guys. And, you know, I'd watch wrestling, and I'm like, right. like a fan. I was like a fan. I was like. But what was cool about it is I sit right next to Goldberg, and we started talking, and 
uh, he found out what I did and who I worked for. And he was like asking me more questions than I right. was asking him. So I got my picture made with a bunch of them. And it was pretty cool. They're all real nice guys, you know, and it was, it was fun. And then after that, I'm home thinking, well, that went really well, you know, because I don't know why, but around faith and all that, I always got nervous, you know. Right. right. I wanted to do good for him. And, and <laughs> uh, you know, it was just one of them things. So uh, in the mail here, about two weeks later, I get a check in the mail. She sent me like a check for like, I don't know, 1500 bucks for going up there and doing that. For doing that know? gig. That's yeah, awesome. for doing that little little rehearsal. I mean, she right. she was real nice about that, you know. It was fun. Do you uh, remember? I think we might have been in Massachusetts. We're standing out back with my friend Chris Paglia, and we're all just standing there talking. I think Danny, a few of us, is around. And you look over and you go, "Man, is that Sergeant Slaughter?" Yeah. And, I, <laughs> and so Sarge, so Sarge comes in over and talks to us. And he's, bring, he's brought his family to see us, so he's excited to see us, and they're excited to see us. He puts me in a headlock, and we get a picture. I think he, he did some brutal move. Yeah, he put me in the camel clutch. Yeah. <laughs> Man, awesome. that, stuff's, that stuff's for real, too. It you know? is for real. Rip your head off. Yeah, that was great. Where did we meet Hulk at, Hulk Hogan? In a hotel lobby in Vegas with John Prestia. I had met him before when I used to, before Tim, I played in Nashville at this club called the Rivergate Inn. It was a hotel that had the place called the Upstairs Lounge. And people would stay there and come there for some reason. It was a good band. It was fun. I played there for a couple of years. After the show, I'd come down and I'd talk to Mark. He was the night auditor there right. at the hotel. And we would rap till three or four in the morning, you know, and then I'd go. But Hulk Hogan came in there. And I remember he got... I don't know if he got kind of tipsy or whatever, but he came down the stairs and I looked over at uh, Hulk Hogan. I said, hey, Hulk, I said, this guy here says he could whoop your butt. <laughs> and Mark goes, oh, my God. And so Hulk came over and said, come here a minute and, and made him come around the desk there and grabbed him by the head with his hand and lifted him up in the air. And this ain't no small boy. He was pretty good. That's funny, man. I mean, he lifted him like two or three inches off the floor. And then he walked out the door. When he walked out the door, it was glass doors. He broke one of the glass doors as he walked out. On the way out the door? Yeah, it was wild. Do you remember the Nasty Boys wrestlers? Yes. I think Brian Knob was one of them, and I can't remember the other one's name. But when I played at Skull's Rainbow Room, all the wrestlers that played in the Little Auditorium used to come in there after the wrestling match right i mean rick flair and dusty Rhodes and all these old you know legends used to come in there but the nasty boys used to come in there and they always wanted to sing and they couldn't sing or nothing <laughs> but everybody was too scared to tell them they couldn't so they'd get up there and sing all this stuff. oh it was terrible but no everybody wouldn't say nothing you know i remember we standing there with hawk and it, and john p was talking to him I don't know at what point this happens, but I, I remember a couple guys and a camera came over and they said, Hawk, we're ready to shoot that spot. And I think it was a 10-second spot or something. And and he just says, excuse me, and he kind of turns around and he gets towards the camera and he says, tell me when. And and right there on the spot, he's like, turned right from Terry to Hawk. He's like, brother. And he got right up in the, 
thing and he did it and he's like how's that boys and that was it it was cut that was it he turned back around and started talking to us it's like hulk just visited us for a second and left you know it's crazy how they can you know with the sw- flip of a switch they can right. change into their character you know Speaking of that, do you remember when we did the Leno show and um, Kermit the Frog was on? (laughs) Yeah, I do. (laughs) I remember I went out to set while they did the sound check for Kermit, and they had the special chair and the guys down there, and Kermit's moving around and all. And they did the sound check, and and they're talking back and forth. And and so they're finished, and they said, all right, that's a wrap. And the, the guy pulled his hand out, and Kermit just fell to the to the chair and it was like lifeless. And I'm like, oh, um, whoa, he just, uh, <laughs> he's not just, alive. His soul just left his body. You know, it was crazy. <laughs> Here's another close call of a different kind. Right. We were doing the Billboard Music Awards at Pantages in LA. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a bunch of different people there from all walks of life, you know, uh, movie stars and TV stars and music stars. I remember standing backstage and I watched Tom Hanks, Dan Aykroyd and Jack Lemmon all standing together and a light was hitting them just right. And I was like, man, if I only had a camera right now, it'd be perfect. That was 2015. You would have had a camera. (laughs) Yeah. I remember going outside and cause you had to go outside and smoke a cigarette. I remember going out, I'd always find a place to go. Right. And that's when I used to smoke and I used, I, uh, would go out there and I remember going out there and I was smoking a cigarette and Timothy Bottoms. Yeah. I think, no, Timothy Hutton from Shawshank Redemption. Right, Timothy right. Hutton bummed a cigarette off. Andy, Andy Dufresne. He bummed a cigarette <laughs> off there. Awesome, we sit there man. and smoke together. Uh, that, I think that was before, I don't know if it was before Shawshank or after. Didn't Matthew McConaughey bum a cigarette off you? One yeah. Time Matthew McConaughey bummed a cigarette. You know, I should hit him up and, <laughs> Payback, you know, and even right. though I don't smoke anymore, but right, right, you know, Dave, we're gonna do a new segment here on Hillbilly Has Been's. We're gonna start playing the song of the wee, 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 wee. Here's one called Bye Bye Blue Sky, written by Dave's brother Tony Dunkley and Dave and me. We can't afford to play anybody else's stuff. Hope you enjoy it. I'm sitting here trying to keep my faith. I'm feeling sorry for myself And I watch a train come and pass me by I thought it was for somebody else Remembering days of my childhood When growing up, it meant independence But now it seems to me That I need luck more than my innocence Bye-bye Blue sky I'm looking out of my window tonight To a world that's just getting colder It goes to show you if you pay no mind To being wise don't come with getting older
Well, man, this has been cool. Yep. You know, Dave, we're starting to get on different platforms as far as different places you can find our podcast. Well, won't uh, you tell us about it, Darren? Well, I, I think I will. You know, you don't have to just go to the Anchor. You know, you can go there and get it if you want because that's, that's where it's from. But, you know, you can get it on Spotify. You can get it on Breaker, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Radio Public, and Anchor. So, and, you know, we're, we're working on getting it on uh, Apple Podcasts, which is iTunes, and Google Podcasts, CastBox. And we're also working on trying to get it on YouTube. We think that would be a good thing. We maybe maybe put up some photos. You can watch the slideshow while you're listening to our podcast. So all this has a moral to all this stuff. And what's that, Derek? It means that God didn't want to take us then. He had future plans for us, which could be this podcast. It could be. It could very well be. That's just like the song that you played on the last um, episode. Maybe he didn't want to make that a hit back then. He wanted to save it for this podcast. That's true. That's true. You never know. Don't they say God works in mysterious ways? Exactly. So with that, I guess it's probably time to say goodnight, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Too bad it goes too fast. Well, it really does. we don't even know what the next one's going to be, but we'll come up with something good. I'll tell you that. Maybe some stories from the boys. Yeah. Some of the old boys. We'll get together and we'll get back with you guys on that. Yeah. Yeah. So look for us. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. We're having fun doing it. Hope you're having fun listening to it. So I guess time to say goodnight. Goodnight. Would ride our bus town to town. Everybody was a getting down. Pack it up and do it all again. The hillbilly has been. Now the days of old have come to pass. Even though we was kicking ass, we love the fans, but we need some friends. The hillbilly has been.